Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Good morning, Revo. Thanks for being with us. My name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors. We've been in a uh, series walking through the book of Jonah for the last couple of weeks. And here's where we left off last week, in case you missed it. We serve a God of second chances. I don't know if you can remember the last second or third or eighth chance that God has given you in your life. But I'm standing up here on this stage this morning as a recipient of a ton of second chances from God, and I want to share with you uh, one. I know that what I'm getting ready to say uh, will not leave this room. This is just between us. I haven't even told my wife this yet. She's at home today with sick kids, so I figured I'd share it when she's not here. Um, I got I got pulled over the other day uh, by a police officer. Raise your hand uh, before you judge me too bad. Raise your hand if you ever been pulled over by a kid. Woo, man! Raise them high. No, raise them high. Raise them high. Look at all the illegals around us. My goodness, man. Never seen so many people so proud of their sin before. (laughs) Is there anything worse than seeing the blue lights in the back of your rearview mirror? I can't think of it if there is. And uh, but I was actually pulled over um, the other day. I was driving on Highway 52 near downtown early in the morning. Now you want to talk about an unsaved part of town? Is the highway on 52 and 40? Jesus is nowhere near the roads around downtown Winston-Salem in the morning. I can attest to you to that. Um, he's in the neighborhood roads around here, but not, not downtown. Um, and so it's crazy. It's always clogged up, jammed up. People are bobbing and weaving inside of lanes. They're, they're pointing fingers out of the window like, I'm like, hey, God's number one. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, me too, right? <laughs> they're drinking coffee, they're text messaging, they're calling, they're not paying attention, and it's just crazy. It's just a, a crazy place to be in the morning. But this particular morning, um, some of the backup was because of a, a, an accident that had happened, and they pulled over. The accident was pulled over on the side of the road, and, and when we finally got to that accident, I looked in front of me, and there was nothing but me, Jesus, and open road in front of me. And so I said, I'm getting ready to make up some time right here. I'm going to redeem that time that I lost in the crowd, and, and I'm going to make it, make it up. So I was going faster than the posted speed limit, but hey, who doesn't do that, right? I mean, it's, that's why grace is there. Um, <clears throat> sinning. I was even listening to a podcast while I was doing it. Like, I was sinning and listening to a sermon at the same time. I don't know how that works, but I was doing it. And uh, all of a sudden, I look in my side view mirror and I see some blue lights and I hear a siren and this cop is coming in hot. And you know what the first thing I said? I said, "Uh uh-huh, that's what you get right there. He's getting ready to pull somebody. You shouldn't have been speeding, honestly. It's your own fault. Somebody's got to pay the taxes, though. So, well, God bless them. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not me, man. Shouldn't have been speeding anyway, but that's fine. So all of a sudden, this police officer comes in, and, and then when he gets about to where I am, he pulls in right behind me. There's not a bad feeling in the world more than looking in that rearview mirror and seeing those blue lights. So I did what any upstanding citizen would do. I pulled over into the left lane to get him by me. 
Like, obviously, he was in a hurry. He needed to get somewhere. So I was like, let me move over. You go around. You're in a hurry. And you catch whoever you're going after. And then he, when I did that, I pulled into the left lane. He pulled into the left lane, too. I was like, why are you tailgating me? Man, you know this is dangerous, don't you? And that's when I looked down at my speedometer, and I was, I was going about 13 miles an hour over the speed limit. Now, his radar said it was going 18, but, you know, they don't calibrate those things very often. And so, like, <laughs> it's not right 100% of the time, okay? So it looked like 13, approximately 13. And so I pull over on the side of the road, and, um, you know, he, he gets out of the car, and he's uh, walking up to my car. I got my, I got my license and my, my registration out. And he rolls down the window and he's like, um, good morning, sir. And I'm thinking in my mind, don't try to be nice to me. Don't try to play this good cop, bad cop business. You pull me over. We're not friends right now. But I go ahead and lay it on. I was like, sir, I am, officer, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I looked down. I realized I was speeding. But here's the thing. I know that the speed limit changed about eight miles ago. But here's what I was doing. I was gradually decreasing my speed. I felt like that was the, the safest way to do it because the last thing you want to do is slam on brakes right when it drops from 65 to 55. You don't want to slam on brakes because that causes an accident. And if there's an accident, then you are going to have to put on that bright yellow vest and stand in the middle of the road. And that's dangerous. So I'm really doing this for you when you think about it. Like, I'm trying to protect you. I didn't want you to have to get out of your car and, and all that. And so did I mention I was a pastor? Have you ever heard of Revo Church? <laughs> Oh, man, I'm a pastor. Yeah, I was actually a pastor. I'm headed up to the North Campus. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? I could talk to Jesus for you if you wanted me to. Like, I got a direct line. I work for the guys. So, like, <laughs> did I do anything wrong? Is there something wrong, officer? Is there a reason why you stopped me? License registration, please. Like, didn't face him one bit. Like, didn't even crack a smile. I handed him the license and registration. I saw him look back. He, he was walking back to his car. Now, you need to know something about this. It's very important to time the amount of time that a police officer stays in his car after he has obtained your license and registration. Because the longer he is in his car, the likelihood of you getting a warning is falling, okay? Like, because if he's in there 20 minutes, he's writing it out. Like He's not updating his Facebook. He's writing a ticket out. He's running your tag just to make sure you don't have a warrant out on you. And so I'm looking in my rearview mirror. I'm trying to notice, like, what is this guy doing back there? He's, like, radioing a lot. I was like, is he calling in backup? Is he mad because I didn't put... It was only 13 over. Like, am I getting ready to go to jail? What's going on? Maybe, I don't know, is he calling in somebody? And then I thought, like, my mind starts to, to race at this moment. My hands are sweaty, and, I, like, I started to get nervous. And I started to ask myself, true story, what if somebody robbed a bank in Winston last night? And what if they haven't caught him yet? And what if there was a witness to the crime, but the only thing they saw was the subject as a white male, slightly short, slightly overweight, shaggy hair, this guy thinks I robbed the bank. I'm getting ready to go to jail because I'm speeding. And he gets out of the car, and I'm nervous. I got my hands on 10 and 2. I don't want anything to go down. He comes up to the window, and he says, uh, Mr. Klein? He's like, yes, sir. He's like, um, here's your license registration back. Um, you need to slow down. I'm going to give you a warning. Boom, yes. I look at him. I say, thank you, officer. And then I lied to him. I was like, I am never going to do this again. <laughs> I've learned my lesson, right? You ever, you ever told a police officer that? And then I was like, you know what, i tell you what, I'm going to try to never do this again. Let, let's compromise. I'm going to try not to get caught doing this again 
so that you don't have to get out. And I don't know, your, your life changes right there in that instant because like, after you get pulled and you are issued a second chance, you become the safest driver in all of America. I pull back onto the interstate, 37 miles an hour. I'm going 37 miles an hour, 10 and 2. I got people blowing. I'm on, I'm on 40. We got people blowing the horn. I'm like, go around, man. I'm not trying to get a ticket today. Go around, man. Just trying to be safe. Man, I'm glad I got that off my chest. That was therapeutic. Thank you for second chances. He said, I'm going to let it slide this time. I'm just going to give you a warning. I've been given so many second chances in my life, and I know you have as well. If God would have asked me what to name the book of Jonah, which he didn't, I would have come up with something a little bit more creative than Jonah. I would have probably called it the book of second chances, because Jonah is all about second chances. I mean, we've already read a bunch of different second chances in, in this book. The, the very first verse in, in Jonah, God speaks to Jonah. He's a prophet. He's a pastor. And he says, Jonah, you're going to go to Nineveh, and you're going to preach to these people, telling them to turn from their sin. And, and Jonah doesn't even respond to God. He gives them the silent treatment. Um, he, he just runs the other way. God speaks to him and, and ends up running the other way. Jonah gets on a boat. And goes out into the middle of the sea, but God decides he wants to give Jonah a second chance. And so scripture says that God provided a storm to stop Noah or Jonah in his tracks. Different boat, different guy. <laughs> so Jonah is under the boat sleeping. Everyone else is on top. The sailors are on top and, and they're crying out to their gods. And then finally, they're like, where's Jonah at? Go get Jonah. They run downstairs. Jonah, you need to come up here and pray, man. You need to call in a favor to your God. You need to, you need to help us out here. Please pray. Please ask your God to spare our lives. Second chance that Jonah had to come to God, but he didn't. Instead of praying and calling out to God, he said, you, you guys are just going to have to throw me overboard. Just, just pitch me over, and the storm will stop. So they did that. Threw Jonah overboard, and Scripture says now God gives Jonah a third chance. God provided a fish to come along and swallow Jonah. Instead of allowing Jonah to drown, instead of allowing Jonah to just be miserable in the water, God gave him a third chance by sending the fish to swallow him. Now, three days and three nights passed. We learned about this last week. And finally, finally, for the very first time, Jonah calls out to God. Jonah, Jonah calls out to God in, in prayer, and Scripture says something incredible, that at the end of chapter 2, catch this now, the fourth chance Jonah gets. Four times God gave Jonah another chance. Scripture says that God called the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. God is a God of second chances. We read that throughout this book and really throughout all of, of Scripture and I hope that, that that rests on you today. I hope maybe if that's the first time you've ever heard that, that that's some encouragement. I, I hope that if you know that God is a God of second chances, that it causes you to, to be extremely grateful right now because you think about the second chances that he has afforded you. But here's where we pick up the story this week. If you have your Bible, it's in chapter 3, verse 1, the beginning of this second chance. Now let me set the table for you. Jonah was just spit out of the whale. Right? So he probably doesn't smell good, probably doesn't look good, hasn't seen the light of day for at least three days and three nights, and now all of a sudden he finds himself wet, sandy, and stinky on the beach. 
And in chapter 3, verse 1, here's what he says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Man, another second chance. And the Lord said to Jonah this. He said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So not only does God save Jonah, physically save him from the belly of the fish, spits him out, doesn't just let him die there, doesn't make him suffer any longer, not only does he save him physically, but he recommissions him. He uses him again. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're thinking, I've said no to God before. I'm on second, third, fourth, fifth chance. There's no way that God is still interested in using me. Like, there's no purpose in my life. There's, there's no calling for me. Like You don't understand, Nathan. I've been, I've been running. I've said no. You talk about second chances. My second chance was a long, long time ago. But I think it's incredible to read a story like this where God says, Hey, Jonah, I know what you've done. You, you ran the other way. You put other people in danger. You threw yourself out of a boat. I had to rescue with you with the whale. I had to rescue you with the storm. You stayed in there three days and three nights and didn't say anything to me. Gave me the silent treatment. And then when you call out to me, you expect me to save you. And Scripture says that God spoke to Jonah for a second time. And told him to arise and go to Nineveh. I want to make sure we, we hear what God said to Jonah after all that. Okay, because like me and God would have had a different conversation with Jonah. If I was God in this situation, Scripture would have read a little bit like this. Then the word of Nathan came to Jonah the second time saying, What are you doing? Why are you running? Why are you not doing what I told you to do? Here's, oh, now you want to call out to me. Oh, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you stay in the belly a little bit longer. I want to make sure you learn a lesson. I'm going to rub your nose in the fact that you didn't do what I told you to do. But I want to be very clear that that's not what God said. And some of you may be nervous about what God's going to say when you turn back to him. When you receive and take advantage of this second chance, you may be convinced that God is just going to lay you out. He's going to yell. He's going to be mad. He's going to punish you. He's going to rub your nose in it. He's going to tell you what a loser you are. He's going to embarrass you. He's going to just make a big deal about how he can't believe how many mistakes that you've made and how many second chances he's had to give you and how many times he's had to bail you out. But Scripture says after Jonah had done all of that, he looks at Jonah and said, all right, Jonah, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you the first time. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach the message so that people's lives can be changed. Instead of berating him, instead of making him feel bad, instead of telling him how big of a loser he was, instead of giving him the silent treatment, which is what Jonah gave him, God embraced him with open arms. God saved him. God gave him another chance. See, we, we worship and serve a God of second chances. After all this guy has done, God looks at him in grace and mercy and says, hey, let's, let's try it again. Every one of us have been given a second chance. And when you and I get a chance like this, there's a next step that happens. And here's what Jonah does in verse, in verse 3. He says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. It took you three days just to walk 
around the outside of this city. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. Here's a sermon that he preached. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's a short sermon. Don't get any ideas. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He stood up and says, hey, listen, God is saying repent of your sin. God is saying turn back to him, and, and he's giving you 40 days. 40 days you've got to turn back to God, or he's going to lay waste to the whole thing. Anytime you and I are given a chance, it is followed by a choice. Jonah was given a second chance. And in that moment, he had a choice. Am I going to listen to God and do what he says, or am I going to try to play hide-and-seek again? And did you know that you and I have been given second chances, but the reality is that even though God's grace and mercy has provided us and offered us that, that you and I still have the chance to say no? We still have the choice to make that we can either listen to God and do what he says and embrace this second chance, or we can continue to look at him and and say, oh, I don't hear you, or I don't like what you have to say, or I don't want to do that, and we can run in the total opposite direction. Every chance that God gives you is accompanied by a choice that you and I have to make. We can either choose to ignore God, we can choose to run from God, we can choose to pretend that God is not speaking to us, or we can listen to God and do what he says. And Jonah, very different from the first time he heard God, says Jonah arose, got up, and walked to Nineveh. And he was faithful to preach that message. God, he listened to God and he did what he said. There's an interesting aspect of this though because God is not done giving second chances. God actually offers a second chance to the Ninevites. The people that, that hated God. That were living long periods of time in direct disobedience to him. You know, God could have rolled in and said, you know what Jonah, cancel the trip. I'm just going to lay waste to it right now. Like, they don't deserve a second chance. They, they haven't listened to me. They haven't turned to me. They're, they're living in idolatry. They're really far from God. Hey, Jonah, what do you say? That, what do you say we just smear all, all of them out? Just kill them all now. Could have been what God said. But God actually gave Nineveh a second chance as well. He said, in the next 40 days, if you make a choice to turn back to me, if you make a choice to turn your back on your sin, and pursue that relationship with God, then I'll spare you. Then take advantage of the second chance. Every chance that you and I have comes with a choice. And so now, the city of Nineveh has a choice to make. Jonah stands up and says, hey guys, God's going to give you a second chance. Now what are you going to do with it? Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're like, okay, so there's this pastor up here on stage, and he's saying, God is giving me a second chance. I'm just here. It's just good news, right? God's going to give me a second chance. Now you have a choice. What are you going to do about it? Well, here's what the people of, of Nineveh did with it. Verse 5 reads like this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of these to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. He's like, this is what everybody's going to do. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that is in his hands. 
Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. That must have been a killer sermon right there. (laughs) History tells us that Nineveh sits at approximately a half a million people. And a pastor that smells like fish with an eight-word sermon walks around the city for three days. I'm sure he's not thrilled to be there. He didn't work on an introduction. He didn't have any funny jokes. He didn't have any kind of application point. He just stood up on stage and be like, hey, if you don't turn to God, you're going to die. Doesn't matter to me. You choose. And Scripture says God used that in such a powerful way, and he began to change people's hearts. And this could be the greatest revival that's ever recorded in history because in a matter of one sermon, eight words, a half a million people turned back to God. Scripture says they took off their robes and they put on sackcloth. This is burlap. They sat in ashes. This is an attitude of humility. They humbled themselves and said, you know what? God's right. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I've made the wrong decisions and God is graciously offering me a second chance. Scripture says the king finally found out about it, and and we got a lot to learn from this king. This king went all in, right? He looks at his people and says, not only is the whole city going to fast, but you need to go home and you need to tell your your wife to fast, you need to tell your, your kids to fast, you need to tell your servants to fast. He goes even as far as to say this, I don't even want anybody feeding their animals. Like, you pray and fast, and you teach your animals how to pray and fast, right? You got a pet, you better teach that cat to pray. Like, you better, don't feed that cat anything. Let him fast. You got a hamster? All they do is run around on that little wheel. You need to teach him how to get on his knees, call out to God. This is serious. This is serious. We're going all in. I wonder if we had the attitude of the king. If we just said, hey, God, this is, my sin is serious. And I need to go all in. Every aspect of my life, not just one aspect, not just a little piece of my life, but 100% of my life, I'm going all in. With this second chance, every choice, every place I'm at, I want to go all in. That's what the king says. Women, children, men, animals, pets, the whole deal. Nobody eats, nobody sings, nobody rejoices. Everybody get on your face in front of God and cry out. And maybe, just maybe, because of the choices that we make to turn back to God, God will will spare us. It's a good lesson for us. What aspects of our life? Do we need to say, all right, God, I'm all in. It's all for you. I'm not holding anything back. I want to make that decision. I want to be a good steward of this second chance that you have given me. Here's here's what happens in verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Here's some hope for you this morning. A chance leads to a choice, and your choice can lead to change. you got a choice to make this morning, just like Jonah had a choice, just like the Ninevites had a choice, and that choice can result in life change for you. Man, thank goodness the people turned back to God, and God said he spared them. He, he didn't change his mind Right? He, he, didn't, he wasn't planning on destroying them and saying, oh, well, okay, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not going to do it anymore. He gave them a choice. You and I have a choice this morning. We have a choice to make a decision that we are faced with. And just like Jonah chose wisely this time, listen to this. Because Jonah made the right choice, 
now a half a million people in the city of Nineveh now experience salvation. Did you know that the choice that you make this morning has the opportunity not only to change your life, but it could change the lives of those around you? Your decision to say yes to Jesus, your decision to take the second chance that you have been given and make a choice to do something with it can not only change your life, it changed Jonah's life, but it can change the life of an entire city. I hope and pray that what we're doing here by saying yes to Jesus can start to change our city, can have an impact way beyond just us and our families and our friends, but to those all around us. Your obedience this morning could lead to someone else's salvation, not just yours. I want to make sure that we see exactly what happened in verse 10. Scripture doesn't say that when God heard what they said, Scripture actually says when he saw what they did, it was their actions, not, not just an empty promise to God. He didn't say when they filled out a connection card and checked a box. He didn't say that when they were in the church and they prayed a prayer. No, he says when they saw that their life was changed. Man, this decision is not just to, to feel guilty or to feel remorse or to get caught up in a sense of emotion right now about the second chance that you have given and, you know, say a prayer and promise God, oh God, I'm going to be different. It's going to be, I'm going I'm to do this, I'm going to give this, I'm going to go here, I'm going I'm to be different and then walk out of here unchanged. Listen, prayer never takes the place of obedience. God doesn't say, okay, well, I heard what you said, and I saw the promises that you made, so everything's good. Now, God saw what they did. A second chance led to a choice, and the choice led to change. It's the same opportunity that you and I have today. The change in the story, both from Jonah and the Ninevites, the change in my life and the change that awaits you today, comes from an opportunity that we have right now. What are you going to do with the second chance that God has given you? What are you going to do to say yes to him? God has given you a, a second chance. And you can make a choice today to say yes to Jesus. Not, not just to fill out a card, not just to say a prayer, but to actually allow God to begin to change your life from the inside out. And I'm telling you, that's a decision you will not regret. What are you going to do with the second chance that God has given you today?